In Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6, we have Satan's binding for a thousand years and the first resurrection. Hear now the word of Almighty God, inspired by His Spirit and profitable for us. Revelation 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should not deceive the nation that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones. And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Thus far the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Revelation 20 verses 1 through 6. Here, as I mentioned previously, we have Satan bound for a thousand years to prevent him from deceiving the nations. Note here, verse 1, there is an angel who comes down from heaven. Now, in prior chapters, we've seen the battle between the glorious angel Michael and the devil himself who inspired the red dragon. This seems to be a continuation of this battle we saw this in chapter 12, verse 7. We saw also that our Lord Jesus Christ, he owns the keys of death and of hell, chapter 1, verse 18. Though Wormwood would usurp those keys, the power of the keys of Christ, as we saw in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. This angel holds or possesses the keys of the bottomless pit. The word is abyss, abusos the bottomless pit, without limit, going down forevermore. This is a different angel, it would appear, from the one in chapter 19. And as he comes down, he describes him in this way, having the key and coming down. He observed or saw these things as they occurred in visionary form. John witnessed this angel descending and having. Now, I believe on good grounds that this is an exposition of the seventh vial, the filling up of the wrath of God, which is what comes at the end of the millennium or the thousand years. This angel comes down with the keys of the abyss. Remember what Wormwood did with the keys of the abyss? He let out the smoke and then the foul beasts came out of the smoke. He had a purpose to destroy, to corrupt, to undo the kingdom of God. When Christ has these keys, what does he do with them? 
he unlocks the abyss and he throws the devil inside. Why? So that the kingdom of God may advance. Notice, the angel has a great chain or a mega chain in his hand. Now the word chain comes from that which cannot be loosed, the unloosable thing. So it is tying up fast, in other words. He's got a key to the abyss, the angel does. He has a mega chain in his hand for a great mega enemy. He's going to have an unloosable bond both on the lock, the seal, and on the beast himself with this chain. Now notice verse 2. What does the angel do? He lays hold on him. Literally, he had dominion over him. He took charge of him. He took power over him. Authoritatively laying hands on this trakonos, as it is in Greek, dragon. This monstrous reptile feared by men. He lays hold on him. And then it names who this monstrous reptile is. The old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Now when he says the old serpent, he's taking us all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 3. The original liar and deceiver, that cunning and crafty one whose words were like butter, but poison was at the end. He is the devil, that is, a false accuser, a liar. He is Satan, that is, he who opposes, who stands up to oppose the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. It takes us all the way back to the garden, to David being opposed by Satan himself to number the people and bring curses on Israel, all the way to Judas Iscariot who brought our Lord to crucifixion for 30 pieces of silver. This is the devil, Satan, the old serpent. Our Lord lays hold upon him and he bound him. This is the opposite of loosing. The chain is an unloosable seal and he binds this prisoner. He takes him and claps him in irons, puts him in the chains so that he cannot move. Not only is the chain unloosable, but he is bound by the authority this old serpent, this devil, Satan himself, bound by our Lord Jesus Christ for a thousand years, we're told in verse 2. Remember, the number 10 is the completion. What are the numbers that we use for every other number? All the way up to 9. 10 numbers total if you count 0. The fullness, 3 times over, 10 times 10 times 10 is a thousand. God owns the cattle. On how many hills? A thousand hills. All the hills. The fullness of the hills. Everywhere you see a hill, God owns it. So here God's going to have this period of time in which Satan himself will be bound up physically with a physical chain? No. Spiritually. Christ will bind his power for this long period of time. And that this is not the whole period of the gospel is evident. This period comes after John's day. It comes after the seven seals. 
It comes after the seven trumpets. It comes after the first six vials. All of this after these things. The divine fullness. God will reign with a fullness unknown until this period of time. And furthermore, this cannot be the whole period of the gospel because subsequent to the thousand years, what happens? Is that the final judgment? No. There's a short season where Gog and Magog gather together to war as we'll consider in our subsequent reading, God willing, this evening. Our Lord cast him into a bottomless pit as Paul and Silas were cast into prison Acts 16, 23 and 24, it's the same verb. As the devil would cast some into prison from Smyrna in this same book, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Take them and hail them into prison, throw them into their cell. The devil cast the third part of the stars of heaven down to the earth when he fought with Michael and was defeated in chapter 12, verse 4. Throwing him down to the abyss is what Christ does. Chains him up, grabs hold of him, throws him down. He shut him up, verse 3 tells us, and set a seal upon him. He could not escape. Beyond his power is the meaning of upon him. Over and above his ability to overcome. Satan is trapped. The door is closed. The seal is sealed. He cannot move. He's chained. His influences are no longer as they once were. I note then this doctrine. After the fifth vial, the destruction of the Roman whore, the burning of the beast's seat, and after the sixth vial, in the battle of Armageddon, the routing of the beast and the false prophet comes the binding of Satan. After all those events, remember, the apostle is now expositing the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh seals. Here is the seventh seal. Verse 3, why was Satan bound? That he should, that's the purpose clause. Here is the purpose for his binding. That he should deceive the nations no more. The power of his deception is broken. And what is it that fed the kingdom of wormwood and of the beast and of the whore? Deception, lies, seduction. Now the power behind the red dragon, the power behind the beast, the power behind whore mystery Babylon is gone. He's chained up. He can't get out. What's going to happen, do you suppose, in such a time when Satan can no longer deceive all the nations on the earth? The truth will come to light. This is the purpose for the mega chain, for the key, for the arrest, for the binding, for the casting him into the abyss, putting him under seal and lock. Why? So that he can't deceive any longer. Now, very unlike the period of the trumpets, very unlike the first through the fifth vial, this is very different. Was Satan at work in the period of the trumpets? You bet he was, deceiving all the nations. Was he at work in the period of the mega whore? Of course he was, and the beast. Yeah, they're making the whole world 
believe their lies and worship their images. Of course he was at work. This is not the same period. Those who would claim, as some have, that this describes the whole same period as the trumpets, the vials, and also the seals. It's all the same period and it's all the millennium. No, it's not. Satan was deceiving the entire earth under after the first, if you remember the seals, Christ goes forth conquering and to conquer. What happens next? Things get really good. Satan stops deceiving? No. Then Satan begins his slow work of starving out the truth until there's paleness, then there's the blackness of death, then there's the red horse and the dragon. All those things follow, you see. This is not the same period as the rest of the gospel history. And the time of the trumpets is not the time of the vials, is not the time of the seals. There are different periods in the history of this prophecy. Christ's purpose in binding Satan will be to spoil his goods, to destroy his principal weapon. What is the weapon that Satan has? Deceit. That's it. That's all he's got. That's the only thing he can do is lie to people. Because if people understand what he's doing, will they follow him? No. So his devices are to deceive, to lie. His principal weapon is blunted. He himself thrown in prison. He cannot do what he once did. Would we see the binding of Satan's power? Let us pray, thy kingdom come. For the toppling of this whore Babylon, because that precedes this millennium. We must pray for Rome to be burnt, to be burnt down to the ground and done and finished. We must pray, likewise, for the conversion of the Jews, that they may say with us, Alleluia, praise ye the Lord. We must pray against the kingdom of darkness and of the devil. Now, during this thousand years, Satan no longer having the capacity to lie, to cheat, to steal, to murder, no longer having the power of deception over all the nations, the kingdom of God will advance from strength to strength. B.H. Carroll comments, Do not ever deceive yourself with the fear that the devil will get the majority of the human race. If you ever supposed that the Holy Spirit, Christ's vicar on earth, would fail, then give up that supposition. If you ever entertained the notion that the gates of hell would prevail against the church which Jesus Christ established, give that up. Give it up. Christ will have a thousand years. You remember how many crowns he had? How many did the beast have? How many did the dragon have? How many did he have? More and more, crowned with many crowns, conquering and to conquer. And Satan was bound, it tells us in verse 3, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. There is an end to Satan's binding. His power is stopped for the thousand years. But the thousand years will reach its telos, its conclusion. 
Satan will be unleashed then for a battle, not of Armageddon this time, but of Gog and Magog. And after that, after the thousand years binding, he must be loosed a little season. Again, after that, after those things. If you have the handout I left, you'll see the time references after that in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1.19. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. It's the same phrase, meta tauta, after these things. John saw the initial vision. Now the next visions are going to be not of his present day, but of those things coming after this, hereafter. Verse 1 of chapter 4, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be when? Right now? No. Hereafter. After these things. You've seen the first vision. Now there's something subsequent to that, the letters to the churches. Now after those letters, I will show you another vision. And these visions you will see will be for things not of today, but hereafter, after these things. Chapter 7, verse 9, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, after the staying of the angelic judgment. Remember the angels of the four winds? They come to judge the earth and destroy creation, but God stays them. And after that, we have a great multitude which no man could number. Chapter 9, verse 12, One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more. When? Hereafter. You see, the book of Revelation is like history before it occurred. That's what these prophecies are, these visions. You have things present, you have things hereafter. And those things hereafter have things after them. And they have things after them. And they have things after them. And they have things after them until we get to the millennium. And then there are things after that. It is a sequence of events, in other words, this book of Revelation. It's describing the whole history of God's people, just as the book of Daniel did, just as the book of Zechariah, and just as the book of Ezekiel, the apocalyptic literature tells us history before it occurs. There will be a filling up of the thousand years, and after that, subsequent to the thousand year period, there will be what happens next. He must be loosed for a little season. Remember, not with a physical chain, with a spiritual chain. He will be released from his cell. The chain will be broken. The key will unlock. The seal will be removed. He will come forth. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. This is the same word for sitting as we saw the woman, that she sat as queen. It means like where we get our word cathedra, to sit in a royal fashion, to rule as a king. These do not rule in competition with Christ's authority, but under his authority as kings and priests to God, kings and priests of Christ himself. They sit upon thrones. 
These are co-heirs with Christ, ruling together with him. And the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, those faithful during that whole period of darkness are raised by a resurrection and seated on thrones to rule together with Christ. Verse 4, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Did Christ die? So did they. Was Christ raised? So were they. Did Christ ascend to his throne? So did they. They reign and live together with the Lord Jesus Christ that whole period of the thousand years. Now the witnesses we saw in chapter 11 were put to death in the streets of the great horror city. They were put to death and they were raised to life. So here, these were raised as well. Either in their own persons or in their successors. Remember who Elijah was in the New Testament. Was it actual Elijah? No. It was John who was in the spirit and power of Elijah. So this could mean those in the spirit and power of the martyrs. They are raised to reign with Christ. And this refers to the same thousand years of Satan's binding, that 1,000 years. Although our authorized version translates it a thousand years, it is literally in Greek, that thousand years. They reign with Christ, raised from death to life. And note verse 5, the rest of the dead live not again, until the thousand years were finished. That thousand years. Again, that thousand years when Satan is bound, there will not be a general resurrection of the dead till what? After that. They all that were dead did not rise to life until the expiration of the thousand years. And note verse 5. This is the first resurrection. Now, there are no clear texts of the Bible, only in the Apocalypse, that mention a first and a second physical resurrection. If you scour the Old and the New Testaments, you will find this. There is one time when the bodies are raised at the end of history and here after the millennium. After the thousand years, there will be a resurrection of the dead and their bodies, as we'll see this evening, God willing. There is no reference to a first resurrection of martyrs to live on the earth in Jerusalem. There is nothing like that in the Bible. So we will not take this passage and use liberties with it, as many do, unfortunately, taking a less clear passage to override the clear, which is there is a resurrection of the dead after the millennium at the end of time. But is there a first resurrection in the scriptures that is not physical, absolutely there is. Is there a spiritual resurrection to newness of life? Yes. Are there national resurrections? For example, in Ezekiel 37, he says that the people of Israel, what would happen to them? In the valley of dry bones, do you remember? The prophet would speak the word of God to them and what would happen to those bones? Flesh would come upon those bones and then what? Then they would have the spirit of life brought into them. And then what? Then they would stand upon their feet, a mighty army. There is a national resurrection of Israel, in other words. There are 
first resurrections, in other words, not of the body, but of spirits and of nations. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. This first resurrection, then, is for all who are blessed, all who are holy or saints. The Westminster Annotations say that this resurrection is not of particular persons, but of whole churches and nations. As Romans 11.15 alluded to, in the raising of dead bones, Ezekiel 37, 1 and following, in which they are said to have part, who by the means then publicly and plentifully affirmed are spiritually quickened, that is, raised from the death of sin to the life of grace. And this will happen in massive scale during the millennium. Satan no longer there to snatch the word out of the minds of men. Can you imagine coming to church and Satan not being there to take the word out of your mind? How many people would be converted? Many. And they will be blessed. For the second death will have no hold over them. Verse 6. No destructive power of damnation. No seducing spirits of the devil and false teachers in this time. They shall be priests of God and of Christ. Not anti-Christian priests with their own thrones and their own laws and their own gospel, but rather priests of God and of Christ. And they shall reign with him a thousand years. The same time of Satan's binding, of the nations being freed from satanic deception, this same period of the martyr's reign and of Christ's resurrected people ruling upon the earth. Let us rejoice in, let us pray for this happy age of the church. After the whore is destroyed, the Jews in their fullness are called, the devil is bound, the saints reigning, and all the fullness of the Gentiles brought in. These are clear and manifest passages and promises of the Bible. God says that his kingdom in the days of the Messiah, he will reign wherever the sun goes, where it rises, where it sets, his name will be great among all the Gentiles. He told his disciples, Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Is that going to happen? Yes, it will. They shall reign with Christ. The kingdom of Antichrist destroyed the devil bound. The fullness of the Gentiles brought in. That old people, hard-hearted, dead in their trespasses and sins, raised to life in one day, the prophets say. Let us rejoice in this promised salvation of the world, that Christ's dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, that Jesus Christ will be crowned with many crowns as prince of the kings of the earth, as king of kings and lord of lords. And thus far the exposition of Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6.